0: Hello, you're listening to On Israel, Al Monitor's podcast from Tel Aviv. This is Ben Speech. What makes Joe Biden tick? And what influence will he have on the Middle East and Israel in particular? We will try to answer these questions today on Al Monitor's On Israel podcast. Since Biden's election, the lights have been burning all night in many regional capitals. There isn't a state in the world, not even Alaska, where Donald Trump was more popular than Israel. He would have won elections here by a landslide with 65 to 75% of Israelis voting for him. That's what happens when the most powerful man in the world showers Israel and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu for four years with an unending flow of strategic jaw-dropping gifts. This generosity was especially appreciated in Israel coming as it did after eight years of arid, exhausting relations with Barack Obama. The average Joe Israel who sees Tehran and Ramallah cheering wildly at Biden's victory, while Israel's allies in Cairo, Riyadh and the Gulf states are biting their nails at the election results, is obviously wondering what he can expect in the next few years in general, and whether this president-elect was so popular in Tehran hurt Israel? To answer these and other questions, we will host one of Israel's most experienced, knowledgeable and veteran experts on such issues, retired Brigadier General Michael Mike Herzog. The son of former Israeli President Chaim Herzog and older brother of former Labour Party leader Yitzhak Herzog, Brigadier General Mike Herzog served in military intelligence, headed the strategic wing of the IDF's planning directorate, and then served as Chief of Staff and Military Secretary to four Defense Ministers, Shaol Mofaz, Ehud Barak, Amir Peretz, and Benjamin Fuad Ben Eliezer. Herzog's expertise is unique because he has literally been in the room during almost all the negotiations Israel had conducted in recent decades with its neighbors. He was there for public and secret talks with the Palestinians and the Syrians. He served as an envoy for many prime ministers, and he sat in on meetings about which we knew and many about which we did not. Herzog is currently a senior fellow at the Jewish People's Policy Institute and an international research fellow at the Washington Institute for Near East Policy. He will be with us right after this short break.
1: If you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East. And if you do, you should probably be reading El Monitor. El Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. El Monitor offers first class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at elmonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon Elmonitor's outstanding reporting. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our Elmonitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform, on Israel with Ben Caspit, and on the Middle East with me. Andrew Parasolidi.
0: We now uh, say shalom to Reserve Brigadier General Michael Mike Herzog, and thanks for joining our Almonitor podcast from Tel Aviv. Shalom, Mike.
2: Shalom. Pleasure to be with you
0: okay let's start with the actually you recently wrote uh, an interesting article in haaretz under the headline biden is not obama can you reassure israelis who see the reaction in tehran and ramallah to trump's defeat that they are in uh, for some tough love from washington
2: well i believe it's uh, it would be premature for people either here in israel or, or in tehran to either mourn the new administration or rejoice. Uh, I do believe, however, that there are some uh, differences between uh, between Biden and his team and uh, Obama and his team. First of all, uh, the leaders themselves are quite uh, different. I think what characterizes, especially the second term of Obama, was a combination of uh, his views of uh, the region and foreign policy as a whole, together with uh, Secretary John Kerry and uh, Susan Rice, uh, which created a lot of tensions with Israel, but uh, also with some uh, major actors in our region. Uh, Biden himself, personally, and the Vice uh, President-elect Kamala Harris, uh, I think they have... uh, very special feeling towards Israel which is uh, emotional, it doesn't only come from uh, a logical analysis but it's also uh, emotional. They have consistently resisted pressures from the progressive wing of the Democratic Party to condition military aid to Israel on Israel's uh, policies and, uh, uh, and behavior uh, so I think uh, this is a, a, a rather good starting point uh, for Israel. It doesn't mean that there will not be frictions uh, or that there are not potential frictions between uh, the new administration in Israel, uh, on Iran, potentially on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But I think uh, the, the atmosphere of the relations, uh, if I had to bet, will probably not be uh, as bad as it was uh, during uh, the Obama era,
0: but you know, if we we, st- we try to to remember the 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 eight Obama years, and I think you remember it uh, better than I do. Even if we we take John Kerry, that was also you know a, a, a veteran Israel uh, uh, supporter with the, all the emotions and a third years uh, personal friend of uh, of uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu. And he, he was also going the, to the direction of uh, negotiating with Palestinians and, and, and uh, for, for you know, with all at, uh, uh, old attitude of the, the American administrations. And if you look at uh, at uh, the people that Obama was surrounded with, people like Dennis Ross, Martin Indyk, Elon Goldberg, David Makovsky, all very good uh, Jews, and know very well the, the, the Middle East and the, the Palestinians and the Israelis, and still it did not work. What can you th- think will, will make this time, this uh, relationship to work?
2: Well, I believe that uh, uh, Obama himself, John Kerry, uh, Susan Weiss, people like that, did not really understand the Middle East and did not know how to operate in it. I had the opportunity Uh, to work with the Obama administration uh, on various issues, and I don't think they really uh, had a deep uh, grasp of uh, the situation in the Middle East. These are the people that uh, called the eruption uh, in the Middle East in 2010-11 the Arab Spring. These are the people who spoke about... uh, uh, dividing the region between Iran and Saudi Arabia. These are the people who thought that political Islam would be the antidote to uh, jihadism, and they were wrong on uh, on all counts. <clears throat> now, uh, when it comes to uh, this uh, new administration, I think people are more, uh, I'm not suggesting everybody, depends uh, who occupies what post in the administration, uh, in the Biden administration, but at least uh, some of the people who are there, senior in his uh, policy team, uh, people uh, we know, I think uh, have no illusions about uh, the region, about the Middle East. 2021 is not 2009. This region is after, after uh, nearly a decade of uh, wars, upheavals, socioeconomic crisis. I think people learned something, I, I would like to think so uh, at least, it doesn't mean they will not mean, uh, make mistake. And uh, if you, ask, you to, ask me to what uh, uh, to what degree they will be effective in their policies, that remains to be seen. It's one thing to design certain policy, and it's something very different to implement it uh, successfully. Uh, whatever you may say about the Trump administration and their policies, uh, but the fact that they were assertive, unpredictable, um, uh, did they manage to move actors in the region, whether in the right or in the wrong direction, but people responded to the Trump administration, some for fear, some for other reasons, uh, but right or wrong, uh, they managed to be effective. Whether or not the new uh, administration will be as effective, I don't know, remains to be seen.
0: So let's now try to talk about the other side, and you know this side even better because he worked with uh, all the Israelis, including Be- uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in many occasions. Do you think the Prime Minister will learn from his mistakes, his uh, past mistakes during the Obama presidency and convince Biden in this way or the other to give him access to future American negotiations with Iran? What we say in, in Israeli slang be in the room and not uh, not in a back room or or outside. What advice would you give Netanyahu on this uh, vital issue ahead of his first White House meeting with Biden?
2: Well, first, I don't know I do not know if Mr. Netanyahu uh, believes that he uh, made the mistake with the Obama administration. But I can tell you that uh, my impression at least is that uh, the Biden team, and again, I stress again, we have to see who occupies what post. But uh, generally speaking, the attitude there is uh, of uh, they they would like to uh, have a close uh, uh, dialogue with Israel on the main uh, policy issues, including Iran, Whereas during, during the Obama era and his negotiations with Iran over the JCPOA, Israel was excluded. Uh, in this case, I think uh, the thinking is different. It is to talk to Israel and some other uh, major actors in the region, doesn't mean they will uh, accept everything we say, it doesn't mean that they will follow uh, all of Israel's recommendations, but that they intend to hold uh, such a, a dialogue. And to the extent that uh, uh, the new team will not harbor negative uh, uh, sentiments uh, towards uh, the Israeli government, I think uh, there is a better opportunity to uh, quietly discuss all these uh, policy issues. If you ask me about recommendations to the prime minister ahead of his uh, first meeting with uh, President Biden, I would say first be humble Secondly, suggest to the president to establish a back channel between the two leaders, between the Israel's prime minister and the U.S. president. There have been historical precedents. I think it's a very, very important tool where they can sort out very important issues without, away from the public eye, without quarreling. That should pertain to Iran, to the Israeli-Palestinian issue, to Israeli-Arab relations and so on. And I think uh, including sensitive issues like uh, settlements should be discussed uh, through a quiet mechanism uh, that allows the countries to flash out uh, uh, differences uh, and um, and avoid uh, public clashes.
0: Can it, uh, especially the last visit a few days ago of Secretary Pompeo in in the region and in, in uh, Jerusalem? visiting a settlement, visiting the Golan Heights, uh, uh, showering us with more uh, strategic presence, the very intimate relations, almost romantic relations between Netanyahu and President Trump that left Netanyahu to be the last one to congratulate the President-elect. Can all these be obstacles uh, uh, that will uh, Will we'll not allow Netanyahu do what whatever we just said he must do with the back channel, etc.
2: Well, I think, um, Mr. Netanyahu, like uh, all regional uh, leaders, will have to adjust to a new uh, administration in Washington, D.C. We already see the beginning of the Biden effect. For example, the Palestinians suddenly... Uh, willing to resume uh, coordination, security and civilian coordination with Israel, and they are willing to finally take the tax uh, revenues that Israel collects on their behalf, uh, and that is part of the Biden effect. So I think um, the Israeli government, other governments in the region uh, as well will have to to adjust to the extent possible uh, to this uh, new effect. We all know that the Biden administration will hold the a different uh, policy over the issue of settlements and uh, the Israeli-Palestinian issue. And uh, the two countries will have to start a dialogue about this, uh, where to go ahead from uh, from where we are now. I don't believe that uh, the Biden administration will uh, prioritize the Israeli-Palestinian issue or will launch a peace uh, initiative but they are sensitive to uh, the issue of settlements and uh, they would like to, uh, at a minimum, to keep the window open for a future Israeli-Palestinian uh, political separation, uh, two-state solution. And uh, that will require, a, as I said, I would, I, I would recommend a quiet mechanism uh, of a dialogue between uh, the two leaderships.
0: So you, you you don't expect a new deal of the century or a American initiative, a dramatic American initiative, in the Israeli-Palestinian track. But are you afraid or expect that President Biden will reverse some of his predecessors' decisions, like like announcing that the settlements are you know whatever we do, we manufacturing the settlements is. Uh, manufactured in Israel and not in the occupied territories and such? Or will, he, will the president leave whatever President uh, Trump did and go forward without reversing it? So
2: that's a very interesting uh, question. My understanding is that uh, the Biden team uh, decided to go and uh, move forward on this issue in a phased manner. The first phase they have already decided to uh, reengage the Palestinian leadership, to resume uh, financial aid to uh, UNRWA and uh, perhaps also uh, directly to projects in, uh, in the PA. They decided to reopen the uh, US consulate in Jerusalem separate from the embassy. Uh, and they would like to reopen the PLO office in Washington DC. There are some legal obstacles uh, according to US law, but uh, the decision was already taken. Uh, The second uh, phase uh, relates to the question you mentioned. And I think uh, they have not made a decision yet and it will be very interesting to see what decision they make. For example, Will the Biden administration formally reverse uh, the Trump policies of uh, stipulating that settlements are not illegal uh, or even implying that settlements should be part of of Israel in in any future setting? Will the Biden administration officially announce that uh, the Trump peace plan is no longer valid? These are interesting questions and uh, they will have to be decided upon. I think they will have to choose between ignoring the Trump decision or formally uh, renouncing them. And that will have a lot of uh, implication. The third phase, whether or not to come out with a political initiative uh, or try and get the parties to negotiate, I think is still far away. Uh, it is not uh, their intention right now, and that will be decided, I think, uh, only after some time uh, lapses and and they see where things stand between the parties.
0: I want to dive now into the Iranian issue. This issue is a lot more uh, existential for Israel, and uh, in, uh, many Israelis are very are deeply interested in whatever is going to happen between the Biden administration and uh, and Iran. Uh, What do you think the Biden administration will do about Iran? Will they turn back the clock, return to the original nuclear agreement and launch negotiations uh, on an improved version? Will Biden ease the sanctions on Iran as as a good faith measure, unlike Trump who insisted on sanctions as a bargaining chip? You know, there were there a few publications, I think, in the New York Times and Biden, I, I'm sorry, Trump considered in the last days a, a strike against Iran in in his final weeks at the White House. Could Israel and the U.S. agree on uh, the definition of a satisfactory nuclear agreement with the Iranians now when Biden will, will be in post? Can Biden reach such an agreement with uh, Tehran in a more efficient and determined way? Then Obama handled the Iranians,
2: and I know it was very, a very long and complicated question. Well, there are, it's actually several questions, so yes. let me take them uh, one by one. First, uh, uh, Biden himself and uh, some senior people around him uh, already uh, made public uh, their intention to go back to the uh, Iran nuclear deal, the JCPA on its original terms. I mean, the first thing they want to do is freeze the situation and then get Iran and the United States back to compliance with the JCPOA, which means Iran will have to uh, go back on its uh, violations of, uh, of the terms of the deal. And in return, the United States will lift the sanctions that Trump imposed on Iran when exiting the nuclear deal. Then when the two parties are uh, back to compliance, the intention of uh, Biden is to negotiate an improved and expanded deal, which addresses the flaws of the original deal. And they do recognize that there were some flaws there and potentially also adds uh, the regional uh, aspect, which was absent from the original deal. The the deal was only on the nuclear issue, did not address Iran's regional uh, behavior. And that they would like to add either as part of a new deal or in a, in parallel negotiations with Iran, possibly involving also some uh, regional uh, stakeholders like Saudi Arabia and others. This is uh, ambitious. It's also problematic. First of all, I'm not sure that uh, the Americans will succeed at all to get Iran back to compliance. Uh, The Iranians are saying, first lift sanctions, and then we'll go back to the deal. United States say, no, first you uh, go back to the deal and then we will lift sanctions. Secondly, the big question, and there's a big policy debate about this, uh, what leverage would the Biden administration have over the Iranians after lifting some sanctions? Uh, The Biden team says uh, we will lift only nuclear related sanctions, uh, but sanctions uh, that relate to uh, missiles, uh, violation of human rights, uh, terrorism and so on will remain in place and we can always add. But there is a lot of skepticism uh, and you heard voice from from Israel, Israel's prime minister, from our ambassador in Washington, from some Arab leaders. And even uh, in the Democratic Party itself, we had today uh, uh, Chris Coons, who is a candidate to become uh, Secretary of State under Biden, uh, saying that he does not favor going back to the nuclear deal on its original terms, which means, again, lifting sanctions and and giving up some of the leverage that uh, Trump built. Now, I would say that if... uh, uh, the Biden plan does not uh, work, namely they, they fail in getting Iran back to the deal and Iran continues to enrich uranium and develop its uh, nuclear uh, program in violation of the Z- JCPO, uh, JCPOA and continuously uh, decreases the so-called breakout time the breakout to uh, one bombs worth of uh, military grade fissile material, if that happens, then inevitably, you will hear talk about uh, the military option. Uh, what is the way to stop Iran from approaching the nuclear threshold and crossing it? And we've been there, as you well known, uh, eight, nine, 10 years ago uh, with the Obama administration. If uh, Biden succeeds in uh, getting Iran back to the deal and negotiating a new deal, the big question will be what constitutes a good deal, a deal that Israel can live with. Uh, so let me start with the second question and then go back to the first. On the question of uh, what would be a good deal, I think uh, there's likely to be differences a difference of views between Jerusalem and Washington. Uh, because ultimately uh, you will have to draw a line somewhere between the original terms of the deal and, let's say, Pompeo's uh, 12 uh, conditions to Iran, which is maximalist and includes everything, no enrichment, no support for terror groups, get out of Syria, get out of Iraq, uh, stop human rights violations, so on and so forth. It's like the maximalist list, And everybody knows that uh, you cannot get a deal on such a list. So the question is where to draw the line. I think that uh, one element that uh, most people in the policy community here and in America agree on is that what's called the sunset clause, the the lifting of the limitation on uh, the Iranian nuclear uh, program uh, is too short and has to be extended. Uh, I mean, Trump Trump said it wants to extend it indefinitely, but definitely um, many more years than uh, the original 15-plus years, which means that in uh, no time, Iran will become a legitimate nuclear threshold state. Uh, But what do you add beyond extending sunsets, including uh, missiles, monitoring, uh, how do you address a uh, possible military dimension, so-called PMD, uh, which was an issue which was opened by the Iranian nuclear archive seized by Israel, and and many many other issues? How do you relate to Iran's regional behavior? Do you strive to be to put it as part of uh, the new deal, which means you? really go for a grand bargain and overload the agenda or do you address it in a different manner? These are open questions and I suspect that there would probably be some uh, gaps between how they are seen in Jerusalem and how they are seen in in Washington. Now, your final question about uh, the trigger for a military, uh, uh, using the military option Here, too, I think uh, there's likely to be differences of views between Jerusalem and uh, the United States, probably similar to the ones we had uh, during the Obama administration. The debate then was what would constitute the trigger uh, to to the usage of military option. In Washington's view, in the Obama administration's view, it, was, it would be if Iran rushes to the bomb. In Israel's view, it has always been if Iran develops the capability to rush to a bomb in a very short time. And these are two different uh, triggers, two different definitions, and they might come up again.
0: We're out of time, but I I cannot close this uh, interesting conversation without asking you, uh, uh, Michael Herzog, do you think the normalization momentum between Israel and the Gulf states and other states in the region will continue once Trump leaves the White House?
2: The short answer is yes. I believe that the train left the station and that this uh, trajectory will continue. First and foremost, because it is uh, uh, the enlightened self-interest of uh, actors in the region uh, who look around, uh, who've been challenged by, uh, uh, by Iran, by Turkey, by Islamists, by uh, socio economic crisis and so on. And they believe that Israel is a potent actor here to stay that can uh, be of help to them. I believe that the Biden administration will encourage this uh, trajectory, will support it. I'm not sure they will push for it as hard as Trump did. Uh, we all understand that Sudan was not, would not be forthcoming so soon without a lot of pressure from uh, Washington, D.C., from the Trump administration. But I think uh, the, the trend will uh, continue, perhaps not as fast as we have seen in the last few months. Um, And perhaps some of the uh, regional actors uh, who are forthcoming will not go all the way like the UAE towards full normalization, but adopt measures towards normalization, partial normalization. We already saw Saudi Arabia allow Israeli overflights and uh, some other measures. So maybe the, the next phases will be, even partial negotiation, uh, normalization, but the trend will continue.
0: Michael Herzog, thank you very much for this fascinating talk. Uh, we will be back shortly with some final thoughts. Thank you and shalom, Michael.
2: Thank you and shalom from Israel.
1: I'm Andrew Parasoliti, president of the award-winning media news site El Monitor where we cover the Middle East with some of the best reporters and columnists anywhere. And I'm excited to announce our new podcast, On the Middle East, where each week I will interview newsmakers from the U.S. and the region about the latest news and trends with additional commentary from our on-the-ground correspondents. Those of you who follow the region know that what happens in the Middle East doesn't stay in the Middle East. And to cite another great movie line every time the U.S. tries to get out, the region pulls us back. Your time is valuable, so let me promise you this. You will learn something, and you will never be bored, because each week we'll be talking with and listening to those leaders who are making the news and shaping the trends in this critical and fascinating region. So please subscribe to On the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti.
0: Thank you for staying with us. The basic message of our guest today, retired uh, Brigadier General Michael Herzog, is that uh, Biden will not be another Obama. The support of President-elect Biden to Israel is a lot more emotional than the rational uh, support of uh, President Obama. And the Israelis should not expect a dramatic shift in the Biden administration towards the Israeli-Palestinian track, not a new peace initiative or deal of the century. But we can see or forecast a different approach towards the Palestinian Authority per se, maybe reopening the PLO's office in, uh, in Washington, D.C., refinancing UNRWA, etc. An open question is, will uh, Biden reverse the administration's declaration that uh, the settlements are not illegal and not an obstacle to peace. Uh, uh, Michael Herzog says uh, that we have to uh, watch closely whatever is going to happen in this track in the near future. About the Iranian uh, front, the Biden goal, says uh, Michael Herzog, will be bringing back Iran to the negotiation table. Uh, There is no uh, guarantee that it will succeed. But, and it's too early to, uh, to predict the chances of such an initiative and uh, ch- the ch- chances of Israel and Washington under Biden reaching a basic formula that will define what is a new uh, uh, nuclear agreement that Israel can live with and the Biden administration can produce. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, see you next Monday uh, in On Israel, here in Al Monitor. I'm Ben Kaspi. Taker.